Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and we're here today to discuss chapters 10 through 12 of the White Luck Warrior. It's my first time reading the Aspect Emperor series, and I'm here today with, as usual, Daniel and Katarina. Daniel, will you give us an introduction? I'm Daniel, and I've read the series a couple times now. So I am trying to help these guys as much as I can without giving spoilers while trying to discover some things I didn't notice along the way, too. And I'm Katarina. Uh, this is my second time reading the series. And I might have just read the 150 pages that we uh, assigned for today, this afternoon. So I might be experiencing a slight bigger overdose. Um, but I'm doing well apart from that. 150 pages of Baker is like three or 400 pages of almost anyone else. Yeah, my head's a little bit like. <laughs> yeah, now you should have mentioned that. I, I know you're feeling, you know, feeling a little under the weather. It might have something to do with it. The, the Baker overload. Yeah, I yeah. I've also, I I wasn't really feeling. I wasn't in the mood to continue reading, like early in the week. So I I've left it for the end, and then I realized that we had a lot more pages than normally. So. It's just t poor time management on my part, as always. That's basically what it comes down to. Well, at least you're consistent. Consistently bad, yes. Consistently procrastinating, but that's okay. I fin I finished it today too, so we're we're in the same we're in the same boat. Daniel, when did you finish? Today, of course. I had less to read today, though. So. Yeah, yeah I had about fifty pages today, so got those the rest done. But I will say these these three chapters. I feel like there is more. I shouldn't say more. There's always a lot, but I felt like we had more things happen, move the story along than the previous ones. How did you guys feel about it? Yeah, I would say especially in the sore wheel chapter, a lot happened. Uh, same with Esmanette. The Akamian parts, I tend to find more boring in general in this book. Um, so I feel like that was mostly just them walk. I don't, well, actually, there were a couple of revelations, but it's, I guess it's maybe it's just the way that it, it's told. It always feels like when there's some major revelation with Akamian, it's like it almost like gets, gets glossed over. I don't know if it's supposed to be like the uh, like simulate the effect of the Kiri, but it's like I read some like big like reveal, and then like ten pages later, I realize that that was actually super important. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it's just the way it's written, but yeah, I feel like uh, maybe the comment chapter dragged a little bit. I agree. What did you think? Those <clears throat> chapters seem the longest when I'm reading them. Why are they so long? I, I think it is the drugs. Since every point of view is from the experience of someone who's like in the midst of a huge drug binge. <laughs> also traveling. Who knows how many miles a day. But they finally reached a destination. So right where we left off. 
So maybe something good will happen, something interesting. Interesting enough to not just be uh, an emotional drug trip. <laughs> yeah. The um. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I'm not sure that anything good ever happens to anyone in these books, but interesting is probably more likely. Well, I think something good happened to Mathanet. Seemed like he had a victory. Yeah, there's I, there's there's battles and there's wars, right? Yeah, I mean, but it was a he. Um, it was a one for battle time, for the time being. He's he's doing okay. Maybe he would have preferred a situation where he didn't have to commit a coup d'état. Yeah, I think he would have, but did he have a choice? Well, with Esmanet's paranoia, probably not. Like she did kind of put him in a position that um where he didn't have any choice left, I guess. I guess you're right. Kel, little Kelmomus. <laughs> the the spider that's doing all these things and then just watching it happen and laughing about it and piercing people's eyes with skewers yeah <laughs> he's a monster so i guess um we can start with sorbiel's chapter there's a lot in this one and the, I, I i'm sorry go ahead Daniel. the the scions are dead now and, and he's the leader of the scions yeah, the defunct scions in memory, I guess. And now he's been raised up even higher on a pedestal. And they kind of switched places with Zoranga. Like, it seems that uh, Surwheel is now the one who holds more, more power and um, is less conflicted and more confident about himself and his his role within the holy war whereas zoronga is kind of falling apart piece by piece yeah there's a, a big switch there wasn't there it seemed like there was a big change in their fortunes or were their their status pretty quick yeah and he, he kind of explains it that um he basically feels ashamed that he ran away from Sorwheel when, when Sorwheel called for him to help him save Ascalis. And that because of his religion, he's now shamed in the eyes of his ancestor and that will, might make it difficult for him to get into heaven when, when, he, when he dies one day. At least Girl, that's kind of yeah. how I understood the their faith works. But aren't they all damned? I mean, I don't think the the Zeumi believe they are they're all damned. If yeah, everyone, are they is the worst. Yeah. Everyone believes different things and who knows what the truth is, it seems to be 
moldable, according to Kellis. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kellis, he's on... I, I kind of worry about... Well, well, we'll talk about Kellis. I don't want to get too far ahead and stick with Thor Wheel for now, but Kellis is... Uh, yeah, he's pushing the limits of power. His character is. But um, there's a couple of quotes. There's one on 317 that uh, that I had tabbed, but it was... Um, but the paradox, some, some would say tragedy of human existence is that we, are, we so easily raise our lives about absence. We are bred on it. Men are forever counting their losses, hoarding them. There is meaning to be found in victimization and no small justification. To be wrong is to be owed to walk among the debtors wherever you go. Muted. I think you're muted. Er. Oh no. Okay. Uh, I think there's also uh, I think there's also another part of the quote where he talks about how like loss can never be complete. Because if you like, if loss is complete, like you don't actually remember that you lost something. Um, which is kind of the loss that the non-man experience, whereas hmm. humans like. You remember you remember that you lost someone close to you. You remember that you were wronged, and it's the fact that you lack something, but you still remember. You remember that you lack it. Um, that's kind of what human existence centers about. I found that interesting, also, and the way like it kind of separates men and non-men from one another. The non-men are super interesting in this in this book. I mean, they they are from the prologue even, but they're. I love the ex, the, the exploration of when you live so long, what happens to you? I mean, but how do you see the world? How do you see everything? Do you remember everything? What do you remember? What do you keep close to you, or what do you, or just go crazy? The elves and all the other books seem fine. Yeah, but those are fairy tales. And now they got flying chariots. What did you think of the flying chariots? I was... I don't see what the purpose is of having a chariot when you can just fly yourself. Like, wh why do you need to... Wh why do you need a levitating chariot as well? Like, you could just, you know... Hop on the air and fly to to that to your destination yourself. The spectacle, I guess. One person can fly all the others. Hmm. So they're not all mages, is what you're saying? Oh, they probably are, but do they want to waste their time flying a chariot, <laughs> or just make their slave do it so well is it like is it like a non-man public transportation <laughs> how much is a chariot pass that's what i want to know how do you what is the uh, what is the cost to ride I, i'm curious how do you how do you train the horse to stay calm when they're flying through the air 
These are burning questions, people. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. How old are these horses? Yeah. Are, they, are do they breed some special like special breed of horses that that's like long lived as, as they are? Probably not. They probably just go through them. Who knows? I guess we're gonna get to know a little bit more, judging by where Sorwell gets to go. Yeah, and I'm pretty excited about that. Like as you said, Steve, the the non-men for me are like one of the most fascinating things about this book. Um, so I'm really looking forward to learning more about them. Like we've learned a little bit about the history, but I'm really curious to see, like, what, how they live these days. Like what, like how many are the, are there, are left in Ishtarabinth, and like what. What does it look like there? I think we're gonna we may find out. Daniel's given his best uh for the face, but <laughs> and then we know that Kellis's daughter is going and one of his sons. Which son? Which son? you guys think it is well i i mean i know so <laughs> maybe maybe let's just have steve guess um i don't know um i thought it would be um you mean go to go as in, as part of the let me see what page we're on part of the neom as they called it yeah the, the hostages the I thought that was going to be Theolopia, or I'm pretty much mispronounced. I thought that was her, or did I misread that? Uh, I, I believe she's in Momem. Yeah. So. She's, hopefully she's hiding in a wall, but we don't know yet. Name's wrong. But she yeah. might be a little bit too far away. Sir, Sir Wei is the grand mistress of the priestess nuns. The Swayali or whatever they are. The witches. Yeah, so we know she's going. Pretty powerful for the, for them to know to learn the Gnosis and to the witches to have that. I know he, they were trained a little bit on the Gnosis, so I was surprised that they, they became so powerful. Well, I mean, we've only seen Sorwa, Sorwa to do sorceries. Well, I mean, we've kind of seen the other from afar, but she's the only one we we got to have a closer look at. And she's an an Asarimber, so makes it's kind of inevitable that she's good at it, right? <laughs> yeah. Is it like, well, it can't be Columbus, right? He's also a moment, yeah. Yeah, it can't be him, so... Unless Sammy is hanging out somewhere somehow, and <laughs> you got Caiutus, the leader of the—I forgot which army he's leading. Uh, the one that Sorrel's in. I think it's—is it the Middle North or? That sounds right. And you kind of got his other son, Moingus, which is. 
not his son, but his son. Yeah, those are the two. Those are the two that are there now. And Sirway basically said she has to go too. When she talked to Sorwill, the believer king. Sorwill's a believer king now, and so is, is Stronga. Even though he's the least believer king of all of the believer kings. He's not a horse king anymore, at least. Well, he still is. But it's not I an didn't... insult anymore. Yeah, well, he's, he's, turned, he's turned that around. But the, the section where he, he has to go and kill his slave. And uh, that was a, that was a pretty, pretty good you know, section of the book. When he goes to beat a slave and the slave does it for him. Just yeah. another dead skinny. And and they're digging through the oh, like hill of dead a uh, dead uh, that rang, and then they uncover the 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 corpse that that's been buried in the ground, and the goddess possesses it, and she gives Sorwheel the the pouch with the core. It's, I got I got goosebumps in that scene. It's pretty it's pretty intense. And then it's somehow related to the old Ennis or Embers. Yeah, like who do you who do you think that person was the the one whose corpse they dug up? Like, I have no idea. I, don't, <laughs> I mean, the only like the only Ennis Rimber who I know died in field, like in a, in a battle, is Kelmomas. Right with the with the sea. Yes, yeah, the Kelmo is with the sea. Um, but I'm not. Like, could it be him, or is it just some other an rumor that I never heard of? If it was Kelomus with the sea, he probably was just bones, right? And because he's been gone for quite a while, hasn't he? He's been dead. Yeah, like two thousand years. They talked about cutting a <laughs> cutting a shrink's face and putting it onto the skull. Yeah, it just started to move. That was that was pretty interesting. And then the pouch, either the pouch or the quarry that was inside, somehow Serway doesn't notice. Which is like that's major information. I. I don't know. Are we like? Are we sure that they can actually see through Sorwell's face? Like, are we sure they're not just pretending? Like, it seems a bit odd that a witch could not feel a quarry. Well, or that like a goddess can't, or that goddess is able to mask mask a quarry that so that a witch can can sense it. Like, do I me mean, do gods like do gods use magic? Like, wouldn't she have to use magic to mask the quarries? So, like by definition, it would get negated as well. Like, I'm I'm very confused about this, and I'm I'm getting suspicious. Like, maybe all the Anasarimba are just pretending that they don't know that 
Sir Wheel's been like possessed by by Yachtware and they're trying to uh is this is all just trap to somehow like trap Yachtware and and, and uh overpower her. And they're using using Sir Wheel to do it. That's my theory. Akamian doesn't know that Mimara has the judging eye until like they talk about it, kind of. So he he can't sense it, but he's not a Dunyane either. And then Sorrel's even worried about telling Zranga stuff, like saying that he'll see it in his eyes because he's not masked, so he can't tell him all of his secrets but I don't I don't know well I, I think like yeah like Sorwil thinks they can't see through him but what if he's wrong what if they're just pretending or not okay. I guess well now we got told again that Kellis has been to the outside, right? So, and he brought some crazy heads back with him. <laughs> yep. And, and the Nanmen seem impressed. He appeared to believe it after they touched each other, they shook hands. Yeah, that um, from the page. On three sixty-four, they they strike a deal, right? Um, well, before before the non-man comes and they they discuss the deal, I I'm feeling pretty pretty bad for Proyas because Kellis is just like, I mean, I don't know, I, I feel bad for Proyas because he was such a he just seems like he's, I mean, he, he's just like. Like I, I chose to live this life of bondage to you. Like I, I chose to live like this. And Kellis is just like, yeah, you're, you're just like a tool that I use. And he, it, it's, I don't know. I, kind of hard, <laughs> a little hard to read after getting, uh, getting to know Proyas from the first series and kind of what he's become is a little, little kind of sad. But that's what, I guess, what Kellis does. Kellis tells him that he's just the lesser Proyas and the. He has the greater proyas and shackles. Yeah, Kellis has some pretty funny uh, lines in this chapter. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, he, he says something to... He says something pro... Oh, yeah, he tells him, uh, I pulled aside my hair and beads and you find my wife's ugly. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And then, like later on, before before the non-men arrive, he t he tells Perez, "Well, there is a reason why men prefer their prophets dead." Yeah, but um, I uh, I mean, I do agree with you, Steve. I also feel bad for Perez. Uh, well, on, I mean, on one hand, he's a fanatic, so I don't feel that bad for him. But like, yeah, he's like he's basically sacrificed his life, most of his life for Kellis and, and his teaching. And now Kellis is just like, oh yeah, like that that was all bullshit. 
why you're surprised. <laughs> um, so um, it must be hard for Proyas to come to terms with that. Uh, I mean, if it was hard for him, I think he's over it now. He's just kind of accepted it. He seems to be just like, I know my place, basically. Like, just I chose to to serve you. I'm just here to serve you. And I don't know. It's 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 kind of sad. I guess after 20 years, you have a, <laughs> just an adjustment period, I guess. But I I, I feel like more it's just the beginning of his person like identity crisis that we're that's about to. Uh... That's about to like get even worse as as we go on. Like that that's my that's my guess. It doesn't feel like this is something that you can easily recover from. I would think. I don't know if Kellis has told him that the religious view was a lie just that Kellis himself was a lie the tool was a lie if that makes sense Kellis hasn't said that he's evil yet he's still doing what the pious would do if that makes sense but he's just a living prophet and they're gross he admitted it <laughs> no one wants their prophets alive I guess the thing I'm still wondering about is why is Kellis doing this? Like, why does why does he? I assume there is a goal. To, it's not like Kellis just got tired of pretending, feeding Proyas lies. Like, there has to be some other purpose. So, what is this purpose? Why is he suddenly trying to make him see? Through the deception that he's wrapped around, he's wrapped around him for he's for the last twenty years. It seemed to me like you kind of said he was using him to fight another war. There's multiple wars being fought. But who knows I'm, what kind of war? I've, I I don't know. I'm pretty lost. What did he tell him? He told them far worse dilemmas confront us, my brothers, far more dreadful decisions, and they've already just killed all their slaves. So, who knows what worse dilemmas and dreadful decisions. That was after, what, seven schoolmen died or something to Corey from Shrink somehow? Yeah, just going going back to the slaves, I, I felt really sad when uh, Zoronga, when Abategwa returned, and then Zoronga was like, oh, oh no, like this, like you shouldn't have returned, now I have to kill you. And um, they had this like kind of goodbye party in, in their tent, and it was all very, was very sad. And um, I felt bad for Zoronga that. Clearly, Obotego was someone who was very important to him and kind of like a father, maybe a little bit. Um, so I, it's, it's almost like both like Sorwila and Zoranga are orphans now. Like they're becoming more and more similar. Um, and I really, I think their friendship is really beautiful. Like the way that they kind of accept one another and, and 
have learned to respect one another. I, it's it's not something you see very frequently in these books, so I think it's it's more it's even more because of that that um, I'm, I really like the two together as friends. And then it's taken away. Is it a surprise in this, <laughs> in this series? How often do like, good things happen? Yeah. Well, do you think, like, since it seems that the yacht war has kind of been purposefully trying to put Sorwheel into certain situations and to get him into, like, certain positions, like, do you think this is also part of her plan? Getting, um, sending Sorwheel to Isterabinth? Or is this the Aspect Emperor kind of... Uh, going against her plans. Hmm. I didn't think of it that way. Callus <laughs> is, I, I have a little bit of concern over power trip um, for Callus because how powerful can he get? And if he, if he is everywhere, they mentioned him later on in the book that he is everywhere all at once, then what doesn't he know? Well, we certainly learned that he knew about Akami and, and his little quest. Yeah. I guess we'll, I guess we'll get to, back to it later, but yeah, he definitely seems to know more than um, he gives the appearance um, that he knows. Yeah. So he, he lets things happen that that may be bad, but I guess the end result is what he's concerned with, right? Is the, he, he lets certain things happen, even though knowing that it's a short term step back, like the, like the coup, like Mathanet, he didn't stop that. I think he's, he's very much the, uh, the ends justify the means kind of guy. <laughs> I would, I, I would agree with that. Daniel is trying really hard not to <laughs> not to say anything. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting when he said he came back from the outside and he saw that all the gods are just like broken fragments and the non-men said they worship the void between the gods. The broken spaces between. And that's why they damned? was interesting information like do you do you have to do you have to believe in the gods to avoid damnation like is, is that what i'm getting from this is that is that right or is that what they want you to think yeah we don't know yet I think I've become more paranoid than Esmanand in the course of over the course of reading this book. You're having an existential crisis. I don't trust anything that anyone says, in, including you, Daniel. That's good. I might try to lead you guys down dead ends once in a while. This. 
just so you guys don't see the clear end. Yeah, well, I mean, if that's if that's your intent, then you're succeeding. Like, I'm getting increasingly more confused about what's happening in this book and who actually who actually is who and what their uh, what their goals are and and how they're planning to get there. The outside is confusing. It's all confusing. Non-men that have been around for 10,000 years, just wandering around. Ghost non-men down in mountains. Other non-men riding around on chariots, which kind of means that their civilization is somewhat intact. When everyone was debating whether they were all just erratics or if they had some kind of society still right like i think yeah like when i first read this book i think i just assumed that the non-men were gone like there maybe there were a couple of them like wandering around but there weren't any mentions left so i was kind of surprised when the when the embassy uh showed up at uh at uh Calisys camp I also like the fact that fact that um, uh, Proyas calls them ghouls. <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, it helps get a better picture. They're just beautiful ghouls. Yeah, well, I didn't know him. But he says like Baker, like he says they're beautiful, but then then he compares them to was it like mutton? mutton fat or something <laughs> mutton fat that's not like a very aesthetic aesthetically pleasing image that it, it conjures um in my mind i guess you, you get to a certain age and you just don't like stop caring if you look like mutton fat i guess <laughs> just accept it well it doesn't sound as a compliment. No. There was a, and I may be way off here. So correct me. I may be looking for something that's not there. But on the, at the beginning of chapter 11, um, there's a, a section that, uh, that the white look warrior section. And the last line is, well, the two last lines were, um, the blood was stick was as sticky as he remembered, like the oranges he would eat fifty three days from now. And a page later, on three seventy one, uh, it's it's mentioned that um, ever intended, um, Emilius purchased an orange at the first opportunity, cut in half and held about the mouth and nose. Oranges and lemons provided in relatively effective remedy against urban reek. Hmm. Coincidence? Uh, I, may, I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm just, maybe it's just coincidence or maybe I'm, I don't know. It just struck me as kind of odd that there was a mention of oranges twice in two or three pages. Yeah. It's not peaches. So it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of peaches, um, 
And now I'm going back to store wheel. <laughs> Billy. Oh, okay. Little, okay. Little brother is the worst euphemism for male genitalia that I've read in this series so far. Like, I, I, I can get over the, the members and the, the phalli and everything, but the little brothers, it was just a little bit too much. <laughs> Yeah, he's just, it just felt like he's just kind of, I don't know if he's just having a laugh or, uh, I don't know, it just, it almost seemed like locker room kind of talk or, you know. know, Like how many, how many, like, descriptions or creative descriptions of, of penises can you come up with? I guess if you well, if you mention it so many times, you have to get creative and use different terms. Uh, he's, maybe he had a list and he's running out. I don't know. Yeah, he did all but his dissertation in philosophy. He's got a lot of words to describe things. I'm sure. We still got two books left. Maybe maybe one will beat that. Oh, I'm, I'm terrified. <laughs> Little brother. Yeah. I know a, uh, another another booktuber who did a a live stream about about these books, and they they had mentioned peaches, and they didn't get too too uh, they didn't get too far into it, but they, they the video was demonetized because they did. <laughs> oh. But they they discussed a lot more than we usually do. We have we have clever terms we use for certain things. So oh well, then you can you can bleep me out before you publish this. No, no, I don't care. It's just for fun. So they can they can demonetize it if they want. Okay. <laughs> It's worth the it's worth the laugh. Sorry, There's that a, was a that was a distraction. Um, go. No, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that because I I read it and I I wasn't sure if it was like a supposed to be funny or if he's just running out of because there's been I think there's been phallus mentioned I don't know fifty times. Is that fair in the series? So at least yeah. I would say yeah. 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 I think yeah maybe even more than that i think there was some some time ago i think someone like ran the books through um a program and counted the <laughs> the foul <laughs> but i don't remember what in the entire series but i remember i don't remember what the count was maybe someone in the comments can um enlighten us there's a whole race of lovers in this <laughs> no. I think phallus, seed, peach. What else? It's the member that gets me every time as well. Member, yeah. I was very confused. Like, like English, not my first language. I, I was a little bit confused when I first read that in a sentence. Like, what? What members are we talking about? <laughs> Oh, it took hilarious. me a while. <laughs> I always think it's it's uh, it's funny that you're, the English is, English isn't your first language, and you're, you're much more well spoken than I am in English. So, oh come on, kudos to you. I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, so. I mean appreciate you saying that, but we both know it's not true. No, I, we I we so. learned all our words in fourth grade when we were young, and she didn't learn them until she was older. So all our Big words are newer to her, more fresh in her memory. 
Well, I, I bet you didn't learn the word phallus in first in fourth grade. <laughs> no, no, probably sixth. Is that when you read uh, Prince of Nothing? No. <laughs> That's when South Park came out and all uh, the kids grew up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I, I watched True Blood when I was pretty young, so I did learn a lot from that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to learn in True Blood, for sure. <laughs> Not all good stuff. Def yeah, very educational. <laughs> <laughs> we were raised on True Blood in South Park. There we go. The um, there is a um, let's see section about um, on page four hundred. Um, How did I rise to power? He asks, seeing her thoughts as always a rueful smile, as if remembering escapades best forgotten. Men men make what they already believe the measure of what is true or false. What they call reason is simple apology. The masses will always believe, sorry, the masses will always believe false because the fancy of their forefathers is always their rule. I rose to power by giving them truths, little truths, for which they possessed no rule one after another. Well, we, we had our presidential election a few days ago well it's cut well we have to, well, anyway yeah we had a presidential election a few days ago and um it kind of made me think that Kellis would have been a really would have had like a really high chance of winning um it's not unlike some of the candidates that uh, we had on the ballot We don't have anyone nearly as smart in America. We we have Joe Biden who walks the wrong direction and mumbles half the time. Or, or Trump is just the most cocky, dumb person ever. Yeah, I, I wasn't really thinking about like the intelligence part of it. It was more like about the like manipul like manipulating people with like half truths or little truths that, when you look at them in the context, are not really truth at all, but just misleading information. Um, that is politics. That's the closest thing we have in the real world is politics. Well, would would Callis be successful as a politician now? I mean, would he have that same kind of influence with so many different? I, I think it would depend on which country he's in, what which, um, how he would appeal to the people in the country or their culture. Kind of like a rallying cry. He would need something to rally everyone else around. He he would find it. I think he's very good at telling people what they want to hear or what they think they want to hear and using that to make them do things that they might not have done otherwise. So I, if he was running for an office, I would probably bet on him. But I, I mean, I do agree with you, though, Daniel. Um, 
I don't think any of the politicians that I'm aware of is as intelligent as Kellis is. Or if they are, they're hiding it pretty well. Which, I mean, they might be if they want to be relatable. But we're all human and he's not. So. It's true. I did really feel for Esmanet after the events of the coup and she tasted defeat for the first time in a long time. And and right as she's hiring uh, Narendari to kill the Shrai, the Shrai takes like her entire livelihood from her. But he's already dead. That's what he said. Don't Don't even worry. It's already done. Just to be clear, that's the white lug warrior that she's talking to, right? Like, he killed the actual Narendari in the beginning of the chapter. Oh, I don't know. I didn't catch that. What do you think, Steve? You... I don't know. I have no idea. I didn't. I totally missed that. I'm pretty sure that that's what happened. <laughs> um, I mean, he he arrives in someone's house on the fourth floor and kills him and the person he kills has long hair i believe and then as manette comes to see the assassin who lives on the fourth floor and she is surprised that he does not have long hair as all narendari assassins usually have and during his little section the guy is like, I cut the, what does he say? I open the bones and I, I know you're, you were coming. And then even though he knows he still gets killed, he knows he was going to die actually. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then the, the white lug warrior, when he talks to Esmanet is like, he's like, uh, don't worry about it. It's, it's already happened. And like, we kind of know like he, sees the future as future as the present sort of so it makes sense that like yeah like in his in his mind he has already done it like it's already happened for him as much as it will happen sometime in the future and the narendari seen that it was going to happen to him cuz he cut open the animal or whatever the dove i got a, i got it a dove in the old way and then he keeps asking him why the hundred hate his god. And then he tells him that a jokely is the fool. And he says he only seems as much. And then he dies. So maybe he was the fool. And, well, he also says that the ajokli he sees what the others cannot see, which sounds awfully similar to what Kellis says, that he also sees something that the, the hundred cannot see. So I wonder if there may be some connection between the two. And Ajakli is also the, it's also the god that 
Kelmoma's visits in the prologue of the Judging Eye. Hmm. He kills a beetle in front of him. He's yeah, the, the right. four-horned brother. Yeah. Yeah, and I I didn't realize, and I don't think it, maybe I was just wasn't paying attention, but I don't think it was mentioned up until this point that Ajokli is the god of like I don't know he's he, well he's kind of the patron of the assassins, but he's also the god of deception and thief, and I guess Kalmomas is he is very good at deceiving people. And stealing things and killing people. I think a joke Lee is like the trickster, the trickster god. Well, Kalmoma certainly is a trickster himself. There's also a line in, in this first section that we're talking about now in chapter 11 on 368. The white look warrior saw himself shrug. He, he sees himself climbing stairs that had crumbled into a narrow slope. So if he saw himself, he sees himself shrugging and walking. Yeah, we talked, there was a section before this where he like looks up and he just look, looks at himself, looking at himself. So he's forever following in the footsteps of like, what he's going to do, the future. That's why mm -hmm. he already knows what's going to happen before it happens. And there was even a moment where he like looked, looked out at the city at all the paths he would never walk because he's just got one destination. Yeah, I, I kind of imagine it like a film, like actual film, like the, you have all, you have all the frames. It's like he can see all the frames, like from the beginning to the through the middle towards the end. Like he can see everything that will happen at once, or everything that has happened is happening and will happen. So I guess for him, it's all happening. Let's like all instances are happening simultaneously. That's kind of how I understand it. It's very Lovecraftian, isn't it? I've never read Lovecraft. Oh. Very uh, shame like to everything admit is it. happening. Yeah, everything is happening all at once. The past, present, and future is happening all at the same time. But kind of what at it reminded me of. At least for this white look warrior, it is, and maybe for some of the other horrors that we've seen so far, are kind of Lovecraftian. Yeah. The the uh, the winked creatures with pendulous phalluses. <laughs> I imagine that also is quite Lovecraftian. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't say with uh, little brothers. I, I was expecting <laughs> you to say little brothers. <laughs> Big brothers. <laughs> For those who are who are listening to the podcast, Katarina's face is like uh, like fright red right now. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's too. That's too funny. <laughs> I, I I probably shouldn't laugh. No, it's funny. 
there was a part when uh, this is going back a little bit, but when Sorwil was uh, taking his slave to kill him, where he like thinks about telling him to run and realizes that would be like the cowardly thing to do because he was just going to be dead anyways. It would prolong his death and make it be from starvation. And then it says. He choked on a scream that was a laugh, that was a sob, that was a father's soothing whisper. That was a pretty hardcore part for me. Yeah, that sounds like he's having an existential crisis, I guess. Hmm. But then Prosperian like suicided himself, so he didn't have to do anything. Yeah, I guess that's and it's it's I guess it kind of goes back to the question of like is Sorwheel becoming more courageous or is it just yacht where like arranging like arranging things for him where coming like preparing situations that that he can come from looking courageous to others. He admits that what he did was really cowardly when they were running away from the shrink. He was being a coward, but it, it worked out in his favor. Or he thought he was being a coward, but to Saranga, he looked like a hero. And Escalise lived because he's a fat man in times of famine. They just <laughs> never die. Yeah, that was a great line, too. I feel like there are there are there are several several um, heavier or slightly older wizard no no sorry not wizard sorcerers um, running around in different parts of the world um, you like who are like kind of grumpy little bitter um, but also like learned. Um, and not like very knowledgeable, um, and I've, like of course I'm thinking about a comedian, but also Escalese, and also, uh, what's his name? Ma 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 what? Mm, oh gosh, ma 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 Malawebi is this? Malawebi, yeah, yeah, Malawebi. Malawebi. I, I get a sense that Baker likes his elderly, um, slightly overweight sorcerers. If anyone in this world is going to be able to be overweight, it would be a sorcerer, though, right? They're all part of schools. They just sit around with each other and eat and read books all day. Everyone else is tightening their belt, just trying to find a rat to eat. Preferably one that hasn't been eating humans for before that. Preferably. But then you're running a danger of becoming a pony color. Just saying. Lots of ponies have died in the series, too. Well, I guess not many, but memorable ones. Memorable. They have names, so it's a little different. Yeah, there's not even a room in this world for cats and dogs. They would have all been murdered long ago. Yeah, I wonder what happens to Sorwheel's pony. Like, I guess it got eaten by the Shrank, right? 
I don't think there's much chance of him getting out of there alive. Unless Escalese got on him and started riding him. <laughs> the one horse that lived under him. Because <laughs> he's stubborn. Wasn't that his name? Yeah, stubborn. Yeah. Then the what did you guys think of the calling, the great ordeal this day after day, out ahead of the line, murdering, shrink by the thousands and thousands, and then it's just still never enough. The mathematicians they just are trying to add it up, and they can't. Maybe because they're coming from somewhere else. And then the theory is that maybe some Earth rank are mixed in with this rank. And that's who's throwing or using the core or the Earth rank and the mandate might have taught this rank. Can you can you remind me what the Earth rank are? Like might have I kind of forgot. It's like a a race that's used by the Inkarai, a smarter race. They can like get into war bands. So it's they like can the ride horses and talk. Is it like the Urukai in, in Lord of the Rings? Like the bigger works? I think they're like the yeah, I think they're like the more advanced shrink. Like they can they have in some some they're not as um not as savage or um domesticated. We'll call yeah, them the can... domesticated animals. They can be trained and, and uh, have some kind of intelligence, yes. Here, sit, stay, attack. But yeah, I guess it's kind of like, it's like fighting a forest fire. I guess that's how I, except like you have the sorcerers are actually making the fire, but it's, yeah, it's, it's like, there's, yeah, there's no chance that they can ever annihilate all of the rank. it's they just have to like they just have to do enough to i guess keep pushing them in front of them but there's just too many it never ends seems like there's like and no no end to it we already seen once what happens when they get pushed too tight then they explode back out Who knows how big of a horde that was or how big of a horde is in front of them now, but I think they said it's miles deep, miles long and miles deep. They even said that they lined the mages up and the line of mages was miles deep killing them and it's still just never enough. They're getting pushed back into one tribe upon another tribe upon another tribe. Hmm. Maybe some someone or something is creating them, or um, I don't know. It's, it seems like it, it's like no no stop, no end to their to the shrink. And this is after years of uh, the scalpers and everything else chipping away at their population too for quite a while, right? Yeah, but I guess it, I mean, kind of works in the sense that when a commune and 
the rest of the company reach the planes, they don't actually encounter any strength. That's true. Yeah, they go dead for a ones. while, right? Yeah. Just dead ones. Yeah, just the dead ones. But this shrink were like left alone for a long time with no one to kill them and they just took over the entire north and who knows how fast they multiplied but they just multiplied for a thousand years or more so who knows how many there are up there this is like the first time people are getting to the far north sort of in a long time yeah, what's and their, I what's mean, their lifespan, right? I mean, it must live for a while. No idea. Um, but uh, Duranga and Soriel talk about like whether that is proof that Kellis is actually honest about the war that he's he's leading about the war against the consul and Golgotharath. Um and 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 they talk about how it this doesn't necessarily prove anything, I guess, that like just because he's killing the Strang doesn't mean that his intentions are pure. Like maybe he still has other other goals in mind that he's he's not shared with um, with the rest of the great ordeal. If I was Kellis and I walked on conditioned ground and I found out there was a god on the outside that conditioned all my ground way before I got there, I'd be mad and I'd want to condition his ground. If I was a Dunyan, I guess that is. Uh, not well, there's a mention that no, something not human, a Dunyan, and the non-men. We got lots of non-human races around. Yeah, the humans are in the minority in the north. It seems. I guess that makes Kellis's kids halflings, right? <laughs> I mean, he's made that as a halfling too, right? Because he's... Yep. He is, he is the mixed race, I guess. He seems to handle it a lot better than Kellis's children do. Because he was trained, right? He had some guidance. Yeah, and also, like, remember, Moengas drowned all the uh, disfigured ones. In was it in wine? Did he drown them in wine? Not sure. Uh, no, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if they talked about that specific aspect of it. <laughs> I, f I feel like they might have talked about it, red wine or something. It's like fresh red wine or something like that. There was a specific type of wine, but 
only the finest for Espinet's kids. <laughs> there was a, uh, a line in the beginning of chapter 12. Uh, know what your slaves believe, and you will always be their master. Was that chapter 12? Is It sounds more like something that, like a piece of advice that Esmanet could use. It's a, a, a Anoni proverb. There's lots of good proverbs in here. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it's supposed to refer to. Like in chapter 12 specifically. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good point. Um Maybe something about Kasoder. I mean, we know that he is he is a believer. Um, but I don't think that anyone else in among the skin eaters is. So I don't know. Hmm. Or maybe like maybe maybe it has to do with the Kiri and like a Kamian and and Mimera, like gradually realizing that maybe it's not the best idea to spend their days drugged on the ashes of a dead non-man. We find out they don't have a choice, though, right? No, Camion's tied up and drugged anyways. Could it be that Kellis is, that's, Kellis uses that philosophy to control the non-man? They're not yeah, I don't even I don't even just like I I was kind of confused about the way that they explain it, so I understand that Kasoder received some orders from Kellis to form the um, the skin eaters, but I didn't quite understand what exactly the purpose of that was. Or like, I understand they were supposed to keep an eye, eye on Akamian, but then once Akamian left, why did, like, why did they agree to take him to Sogleash? Why would they, like, like is there a reason like is it is it just that they're they're supposed to follow a commune wherever he goes, or is there some other reason why they are accompanying him to Sogleash? And were like was it always planned that they would like run across Mymera? Or is was that just accident that she decided to uh follow a commune as well? Does Kellis make does he, uh, are there many accidents with Kellis? I mean, did he want her to be, to be pregnant? Uh, to have the eye? 
I mean, well, couldn't I? I mean, they couldn't have they found someone else to to, to impregnate her? That's so yeah. That's really every every time I read those sections, it's like, um, why? I think in this one it said that Mimara says she's pregnant with her mother's child. At one point, that was a crazy line. Yeah, I mean, I kind of get it, like Akami and, I mean, maybe not now, but at least initially, he, I guess he pretty much just thought of Asmanet. What, like, yeah, he just imagined it was Asmanet when he was talking to my Mara. Um, and I guess you can imagine that if they, if Asmanet and Akami stayed together, they might have had a child together, I don't know. So I, I get I, I guess I understand that comparison, but it's still a little bit I mean he's old. No offense, but he's he's like he's like seventy. Yeah, he's up there. Um but I think it mentions that she's the closest he he can ever get to Esminet, so that's why he she was appealing to him. Which is I don't know. It's, the whole thing is just really distracting. Of all the things that make me uncomfortable, like that didn't make me uncomfortable in this series, that were like, I kind of just glossed over, like all the terrible things that happen. This is one that just it really like it gets me every time. So, oh, why did you do that? Yeah, I mean, in his defense, I feel I feel like their relationship has evolved into like a father daughter relationship. But then when you think she's pregnant with him, it's like it makes I mean it makes it even worse. I do think it's a little arrogant of of a Kamian to to think that he can he would be able to do this without Kellis knowing somehow. Or has he just been isolated for so long that he just forgot or doesn't know how powerful or didn't know how powerful Kellis is because he knows now because Kellis just his voice appears and uh and tells him next time you come before me you will kneel. I mean, can't escape. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what he tells him at the end of the Thousandfold Thought, right? When mm -hmm. he, just right, right before he leaves the the Citadel. Um, but, I I mean, a comment, he, he, he talks about it himself. talks about the fact that he became, I don't know if arrogance the right word but maybe too like consumed with his like he became too certain of himself and his assumptions that like he stopped questioning himself and everything like he i mean he used to be the kind of person who, who like always doubted and always questioned um his own assumptions and other people's assumptions and and I don't know if if that's the effect of the Kiri or if that's if that is is the effect of just him being alone for the past twenty years. Um, that kind of made him lazy, I guess, like intellectually lazy. Um, but yeah, he he certainly miscalculated 
when it comes to Kellis. And he's he paying for on. it now. Yeah. yeah. So you guys think that Kellis knows all? Uh, let's see. Well, that is what who said it. Oh, um, the captain, right? Because of him, the aspect emperor knows all. So at least the non-men think so. I mean, I don't know if he knows everything, but it seems, I think everyone agrees at least that he knew about, he knew about that, like the skin eaters were sent there by Kellis or at least Gasoder was sent there by Kellis and, and Kellis knew about where Kamian was and what he was up to. What, what about the time when Kellis leaves the Great Ordeal and goes all the way back just to make the Yatwarian priestess wet herself and grovel at his feet? And then it like immediately pretty much leaves without talking to anyone else. And then the Yatwarian priestess ends up dead. Was that his intention? To good all, go all the way there just to make sure that little Kelmomus kills the the priestess and causes the whole entire empire to tear apart. I think Did we you know can, this. I, just, I think we kind of agree that Kelmomus is an unpredictable factor in all of this. Like it, he, like Mathenet wasn't able to like Nathan that didn't see through Kelmomis and it, it, it the impression I get is that Kel is I mean if if he had spent more time at home he probably would have seen what Kelmomis was about. But like the sense I get is that he wasn't he did he wasn't at home very often and Kelmomis always just avoided him so I don't I would tend to think that Callus has not considered Kelmomis as a factor in his uh, in his probability transes and and Mathanet says that SMNet makes Kellis walk in arcs instead of straight lines so he can, he's not walking the shortest path because he's, for some reason, cares about SMNet, or that's what Mathanet thinks. He said that a couple chapters ago. So maybe there are some blind spots that Kella says. Maybe he doesn't see everything. Maybe he does. Oh, I'm getting a headache. I mean, uh, we we don't know. And like, if Kellis doesn't see everything, then he can't know either. Like, that's what he told talked to Proyas about. Like, if you don't, that you don't know, then you don't know that you don't know. What? 
Why would you jump into fires and listen to people if you knew everything? Well, I guess jumping into fires and eavesdropping is one way of knowing everything. Learning or like learning about everything. I don't know. You just need to figure out how to play back at three times speed so you can at least listen to a few fires a night. I mean, let me tell you, like, you get a pretty good practice of that <laughs> if you train hard enough. <laughs> At least with audiobooks. Hey, we do find out that the the captain is the, I'm not going to try and pronounce his name, the last non-men king. Oh, Nilgikas. Yes, I have another oh. question about that. So, Nilgikas is the king of Ishtarabinth, right? The non-men who come to Kellis are ambassadors from Ishtarabinth on behalf of Nilgikas. So if Nilgikas is the cleric and he's like here with a commune, who, who the hell is ruling Ishtarabinth right now? Hopefully we get to find out. I hope it, so. It Is seems it, like signs are pointing us in that direction. I, unless there are two Nilgikas, which I doubt. Something's, something's off. Someone's not telling the truth. Or maybe there's someone holding his house in order until he shows back up. Yeah, it doesn't seem very likely he's going to show go back. Um, he also doesn't seem to be in a state where he could rule a mansion. No offense to, to Cleric. <laughs> Do you remember his name, at least? Doesn't seem like there's anything attached to his name, though. W what do you mean? Like attached the thought of being the king of the non-men like isn't attached to the name to him he's just wandering trying to remember hmm. so Nilgikis is a name but it's not as well remembered to him as it might even be to Mamara or Akamian if that makes sense because they study the name they remember the history when his right. books are only so long it's like his also new, like his new book the captain who knows how long he's been his book or will be his book it's it's also i think that's the third name that he like we know he has used so like we we know him as the cleric but he also mentioned at one point he says his name is what in, in, in Cariol? is that is that the name and now we learn he's he's nilgika so i mean i'm getting confused so no one no wonder he's getting confused well, i'm sure he has many other names yeah every every race probably has a different name for him i guess if you're ten thousand years old you get a lot of names eventually you can ask Yahweh. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I imagine he has had a lot of nicknames over the years. The, um, so kind of get a little, little bit of his motive. Well, there's a, a section where he asks, because you love me. And he cries, no, no, because I need to remember, I must remember. And so you must betray. So is he doing this to try and remember? Something? It's on page 426. There's lots of, like, parts where the captain is whispering to him and now like the whispers are they're hearing him a little bit and it's like it's telling him you remember them you, you used to care about them and then we also learned that everything that the non-men loves they destroy so the captain seems to be wanting something to happen between them not good I'm mostly confused about that part. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. When he talks about like remembering and and loving, I'm I'm not. I wasn't sure if he meant that he needs to or he wants to hurt my Mara because he wants to remember her. Or because he wants to remember someone else from his past. Maybe it's both. Um, but at at least what I like, at least what I get from the the way they talk about like memory and non-men is that the things they tend to remember are like traumatic experiences or ex moments where they caused a lot of hurt to other people so i guess for him to remember my mara the best way to do it is to do something awful to her we've seen my mara well she's been mentioned before right as being remembered by other people so is, the name yeah so is, is that something that he's trying to remember where he remembers her from I don't know. And then she decided she was going to try to seduce him. That was and, an interesting and she play. Saves her head and eyebrows with the razor, so she looks more like him, <laughs> like a non-woman. Not in my mirror. And I forgot what his response was when he she asked what happened to his wife. It's like but they I all think, died, or what was it? Yeah, it was not good. Something not good happened. Yeah, I think she died like the other ones. Or maybe she <laughs> died. Yeah. yeah. Didn't they ask what happened to the wives and daughters? Is that what they ask? And he. Um... I think he's. I think Katerina was right. He's. She specifically asked about his wife that he cared about, and then he said that she died with like the others so maybe from the womb plague yeah i wasn't i'm not sure like i don't know if the womb plague 
killed the women or if it just made them infertile. Well, I think but so. they, they're I'm all sorry. dead, so they didn't get to live indefinitely like the non-men did. And there was one non-men king that decided not to treat with the Inkorai, and he like lived a normal life and died. Hmm. Good, good for him, I guess. That's a tough one. He, they're probably at the time, they probably thought he was an idiot, but now he's like, "Look at me now." <laughs> well, he's probably burning in hell somewhere, so. Slightly oh. less damned. Just slightly. <laughs> I don't know what the difference between a tinge of damned is and just a black stain of damned. Both seem to be like eternity in hell. So, I'm trying to find this section because um, Mira asks him, "Do you remember me?" And he says, "Yes." And he felt her face, and he put his finger in her mouth. Then when she seduces him, she puts his finger in his mouth. Um, she tells the captain she's pregnant, and that seems to finally break the captain. Well, she she withdraws her finger, wonders at the gleam of the inhuman inhuman saliva. Do you remember your wife? I remember all that I have lost. Does he, though? I don't know. Or is he trying to? Yeah, there's, there's, one, there's one moment when he's forgetting or remembering. I'm not sure which one. Um, and he's like, what is this language I'm speaking? Where, when did I learn this language? Yeah, that's in this most recent chapter, and the captain just reminds him that he's trying to remember. It's just all very confusing, but I guess it's because the cleric is very confused himself. And you're only getting the point of view of drug, drug idled brains in the midst of the slog of slogs, just walking and walking and walking. But I guess they got to eat deer and kind of probably better than what the ordeal has, who finally got fresh water, which and was nice. Fish, yeah. It's a nice change after the plains. So what, no matter how many fish they caught, there wasn't enough. They still starved more and more every day. Yeah, it's never enough. Well, I guess it's the, sh the Shreng are probably also getting fed now that they've reached a more fertile um, territory. Finding some worms. Yeah. I mean, I know like, they're very nutritious, but man. <laughs> it did refer to Kelmomus as the four-horned brother, too. In his little part. Yeah, it seems like that's that's going to be or has been his aspect. Um, 
all along. I, yeah, there were a lot of mentions of the four and her brother in this chapter, like suspiciously many mentions. I, I just alluded to him a long time ago because this only got mentioned once or twice before this. Yeah, I don't, second, I don't, I, I don't remember if he ever gets mentioned in the in the Prince of Nothing. Um, I was, I wasn't paying attention to it. I only remember Gilgal, but um, that's a, that's a different god. He does, and hopefully, I'll be able to find them once we wrap up the series. Definitely gonna have to take an extra day of compiling stuff. I want to see you. what you guys think of the Peach theory. What is that Peach? I never heard. What is okay? No, maybe I probably don't want to know. But just the name. It's um. That the arc is. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. Okay. Uh, we'll get. We'll uh, get there when we get there. That's just a word teaser. The Peach theory. And they do reach the the Holy Library. I, I, I sort of, I mean, how much more can Akamian take? He's taken a, I mean, he's had some rough times in his life. Uh, I, I suspect when he stops taking the Kiri, he'll just drop dead. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, look at the what's his name, Cole. Like he's like completely like emaciated and like out of his mind, and because he's not—he's the only one who's not been taking Kiri the whole time. So, what do you think is going to happen to the others when 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 the Kiri runs out? <laughs> Just dropped it. We'll see how bad it is. They all walk like 30 miles a day. That's way more than I could walk. They're all more physically fit than us, even without the drugs, probably. Yeah. Well, when you have to walk, I guess so, you, you know, better shape. And I mean, just think of the withdrawal syndromes. Like, we already know that Maimara felt strange when she didn't have the cure for a few hours. What, what happens when you don't take it for uh, days on? All the killed emotions come back tripled, maybe. All the things that it takes away come back in a powerful way for a little bit. Or maybe they just curl up in a ball and die somehow of sickness. Yeah, I think the two are not mutually exclusive. I'm I'm looking at my notes to see if there is anything that. Oh, SMNet ends up back in a whorehouse. What, what do we think about that? From from and to the tippity top and all the way back down again. Full circle. Yeah, it's pretty impressive how quickly she lo she she lost everything. Like within the span of a few hours. Um <laughs> yeah. and I did find it 
I don't mean, like I do feel for Esmanette, Um and she, like she she does talk about like she's talked about it several times the fact that she's in this like very unique position where she's like she's not really a commoner anymore but she can also never be considered a peer by the um the cast nobles like she doesn't fit anywhere um and i guess the thing that made me most it made me the saddest is when like she talks to the she talks to the the woman Nary is her name right i think mm -hmm. and like she, like she sees like she under like she can she can absolutely empathize with the like position that she has put Nary in um but instead of just like releasing her or like going somewhere else and le like l leaving her life and sort of removing the danger that she is when for her when she's staying with her she um she decides to she decides to be the empress she decides to fight for the empire and for her children which is understandable uh but in order to do that she basically has to it's it's like she's kind of like she has to manipulate herself like it's right like she has to manipulate and like threaten uh threaten nari um even though like easily that that could have been her in a in a different life if her life taken a different course um she has to put the knife to her old self right But like you, like you get it. Like she's 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 the empress. She and her he, her diabolical children are trapped in the palace. And like, of course, this, that's what she's going to do. I mean, she could just flee, but she won't. Um, like, like you get, like you understand what she, why she does it, but it's also it's sad but then like it's it's kind of unfair like why like why it's like why does she get judged so much i feel like we're always like in a position where we feel like we have to judge her when we don't maybe don't feel as strongly about some of the other characters hmm. i don't know maybe that or maybe as maybe i'm it's just me being too judgmental <laughs> <laughs> i think um I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I see her as being this whole, this whole, the events leading up to the coup. I think she was being manipulated by her Dunyane children. So I don't know that we can really blame her too much for what, for the choices she makes. Cause she was trying to uh, make the right decisions and listening to her, her kids. And they have other ideas. Yeah. But like, maybe you should try not to get manipulated by your, seven-year-old kid he's a dunyane you know? i have to d defend theliopa she's innocent in all this she stutters she just likes making dresses she doesn't like making on 
eye contact with people or talking to people, which is like how the Dunyan use their gifts. So she just like by nature doesn't like to use her gift because it requires her to like look at someone and talk to them. So she's innocent. She's just likes making clothes and has a little stutter in her talk and hasn't done anything evil yet. 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 <laughs> yeah, team team Thally. It's the quiet ones you have to look out for. Like how moments. Yes. I can. The voice inside his head, who's the quietest one? Never makes a real peep. <laughs> Anything else uh, you guys have in your notes for these uh chapters? Uh, well, we sort of learn that the Xiaomi Sandikar, is that the title of the Xiaomi ruler? Um, I'll just assume it is. He's decided that they're going to help Benial if he succeeds in doing something which is not been specified. <laughs> uh, uh, so we might see perhaps some Zayumi soldiers in the Three Seas soon or sooner or later. And also, um, Malawebi does not like the other sorcerer ambassador. That's that he mentions in like four times and it's always like super negative. Yep. Or or the priestess. They don't like each other either. Oh yeah, Sadman. Yeah, no, he's 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 not a fan. <laughs> well it's not like he it's more like he, he's terrified of her. Like he's really scared. Like he he knows very well what power the, the goddess yields. So I think he's being reasonably cautious when it comes to her and uh, and her priestesses. How many times have you said that reading this series, being reasonably cautious? <laughs> Not very often. Yeah, Nair was recklessly cautious. That's what I'd call him. As soon as he found himself believing, he would just get in a rage and be like, oh, it sounds good. I know it's wrong now. There was a, a, I don't know if I tabbed it, there was a section, of the, there was a line that a commune was, was thinking back on Nair and he, he called into question his fate or he mentioned something like if he is gone. It kind of felt like it maybe opened the door for a return. But it has it has said in some of the what has come before sections that he died. But now it kind of it was subtle, but I wondered if maybe again, maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but it seemed like a maybe. I would say don't trust anybody. Don't trust anything that anybody says. Yeah, well, you always have to doubt. <laughs> it's very true. 
Doubt the ones who tell you he's dead. Doubt the ones who tell you he isn't. Um, there is, yeah, we did. We there's one thing that I, I wanted to talk about, um, which is the the dream that a common has about now now Coyote and his wife. Oh, the poisoning. Yeah, the one oh. in which she poisoned him, poisons him, and he what like. He's asleep, or like now Kyuru is asleep, but Akamian can still see her like um, drop the, some poison into his ear or mouth or wherever. So, well, f first of all, is is like, is this did this like is did this actually happen? Like, is this how now Coyote dies? Or like, does does he actually die? Is it seems like he just she doesn't actually kill him. She just she's just planning to have him buried alive. But it, like, is is that how he? Is that what actually happened to him? And is this before or after the? After when when he, when now Coyote visited, um, or snuck into the Ark with Siswatha, because that was like that was another dream I think Akamian had, maybe in the Thousandfold Thought, hmm. when when the two, yeah, they 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 secretly they managed to get into into the into the Ark, and is is is. His wife is that the same woman they were looking for inside the ark, or is this someone else? And why is she like? What? Why does she want to poison him? Like, what did he do to her that she's so desperate to get rid of him and in this awful, awful way? I've, I've, I have many questions. As you can see <laughs> when she's the one that cheated on him with his sorceress best friend. Wait. What? Yeah, she's, it was a, she was conspiring, right? Is that kind of the way I read it? No, they had, ar they had already did something. I thought that was Kalmomus's wife. Hmm. I feel like it even mentions it in the chapter. Like, as Akamian's looking through her eyes, he, like, realizes... <sighs> I forgot. It was like talking about the color of her skin or something and how he remembered it from the other dream. How many people did she sleep with? I, maybe. I don't know. Like, I got, yeah, I wasn't, but at first I thought it was the same. Yeah, like we did, like there was another dream where Saswatha was, was having sex with his best someone. friend's wife. Which would be Kelmomus's wife. Well, huh? <laughs> I don't know. I just, there's so many different. Uh... No, maybe I got it wrong. And if I, if I did, I, I apologize. But I thought it was Kelmomus's wife. Yeah, I don't know. I have to reread it, I guess. I'll try to remember that for next week. I'll try to find that little passage I saw. Hmm. Then his other dream, he seems to be getting closer and closer to whatever the chain is dragging him towards. The golden room. Yeah, maybe by the end of the unholy consult, we'll, 
he'll he'll have enough dreams to 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 actually enter the room. It ends right before the door. <laughs> no, please, please don't end on a cliffhanger. That would be like after seven books. That would be really unfair. Yeah, I hope not. I really hope not. Um, Daniel's facial expressions not giving me a lot of hope. Me either. I'm trying, I'm trying to, to, to trying to think of what the definition of a cliffhanger is. Oh no! <laughs> like if you read about the first apocalypse and the no god died, would that be like the end? If you also knew that. He was going to come back a thousand years later, or is that a cliffhanger? What is a cliffhanger? I would say an unsatisfying open ending. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see when we get there. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, like, The Prince of Nothing has a pretty open ending, but I wouldn't call it a well, I guess in some way it could be called a cliffhanger, but it's not an unsatisfying ending for me, at least. Um, so if we get at least something similar to that ending, I will probably be satisfied. Hmm. I would maybe prefer a little bit more of a closure, but it would be good enough, I guess. It's a crazy ending. I'll just say that. That's what everyone seems to say is it's, it's a shocking ending. Cra- will, yeah. One of the craziest endings that could ever be. You guys could take where we're at now and imagine endings for a long time and it might be close to the craziest ending you guys could come up with. I, I try not to get my expectations to like I, I try not to look forward to it too much because I don't want to get disappointed, you know. <laughs> I don't know. My, I, I was I've been trying to temper my expectations, but everyone says that it's this amazing ending. So yeah, I'm probably Fingers going crossed. to hate it. I, I can already <laughs> see it. I don't like the well. <laughs> You know, everyone everyone likes likes the the Royal Prophet. It's one of my least favorite books in the series. Um, yeah. People like Proyas, Saban. I'm not a fan. Saban, poor Saban. Proyas is growing on you. Saban hasn't even been around. We haven't even heard about him at all, really. I think he had a mention. Someone mentions him. But it was yeah. Real, real. He 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 did get mentioned by my name, but this is two weeks in a row now. You've talked about sympathy for Proyas. A couple more weeks, and you're just going to be Team Proyas. It sounds like. Uh, well, that may be too strong of a word, but um, I I I don't dislike Proyas. He gets at my nerves sometimes. But I mean, he—he's a well. No, I mean, he did kill a lot of people. I was gonna say he's a good dude, but 
He did it in the same way Estimate does it. Like, he doesn't ever kill anybody. He's weak. <laughs> He's charged with the dispensation of life and death, like Charles Manson. <laughs> he, he just says it. Charles Manson. He just says it, and it happens. <laughs> oh, that's, well. That's a fun comparison. Does the... Does that make him any less guilty or responsible? I don't know. I don't know what the outside thinks. Well, we would need Maimara to find out. Maybe she knows. Maybe she's seen him with the judging eye. <laughs> so many questions. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. If we did guess, do I know what the end would be? Would you tell us if we were right? If we decided to do that, yeah, I definitely <laughs> would. No, I don't. I don't want to know. I want to yeah. be surprised, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone else either. I think yeah. Baker ha has a way of going in the opposite direction of the guesses, anyways. Hmm. Would you would you have guessed that Akamian was going to renounce his school and renounce his wife and renounce his prophet and just go live in a hut for twenty years, a tower? No. I I, I don't remember what I what I thought initially. You guys have guessed that Moingus was really going to get killed by Nair in the end. I don't know. I, I mean, so. maybe I was, I was guessing that he would get his revenge since that was the one thing he kept talking about over and over again. Um, I don't. I know. I remember. I certainly didn't expect him to be as. I didn't expect Moengus to be as weak as he was. Like in like be, because of the suitcase. Um, I think you know. Kel I expect Kellis crippled Moengus too, right? So Moingus was like an old crippled man on the floor. So what what kind of a, like payback is that? Killing an old feeble guy that you loved in the end? It was, I mean, it just made me super sad. <laughs> really. And you... But he... No, I miss never. Baker has a way of giving you enough information, but not letting you guess the correct path. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, well, I think I might have spoiled myself on hmm. some things, like, like, but like broad, like, maybe with some characters, I might have an idea of where they're going. But I certainly, like, when it comes to the details, I, I managed to keep myself, um, I've, I've managed to avoid spoilers so far. So I hope nothing's going to change about that. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about getting getting to the great ordeal and the unholy consult. Because um, uh, I'm expecting a lot less walking once we get to Golgatha. <laughs> like, 
less walking, less. Well, I mean, I do enjoy the talking. Um, the talking is fine, but the walking is that that's what irritates me a little bit. Yeah, I've had it had it with the walking too. So we have uh, three more chapters to finish up, and we'll be done, and then we'll take our hiatus for a few weeks, and then we'll get into the unholy consult. Is that the third one? Oh, the great yeah. ordeal. No. Got it. That the well, if like which is the one? Like I'm trying to find a paperback of the great ordeal. It seems impossible. If anyone knows where I could get one, this edition, like I, like I know there's there are some editions on the internet, but I specifically like all my other books are this edition. So mm. if you know, let me know. Because I would very much like to complete uh, the set that I have here. I'll see, see what, with, uh, which yeah, versions I have. Yeah, I'm still I'm still hoping they'll do a reprint because I think they did a reprint of um, the uh, the war the warrior prophet because I think that yeah. for like a really long time the the second book wasn't available either. Um, so hmm. maybe that'll happen, but until then, um, I guess I'll just have to um, work with the ebook. <laughs> yeah, well, we're gonna. I'll, I'll try and find something. We'll, I'll find a place. I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's 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 no big deal. But if anyone if, if anyone has any tips on how to get hold of one of the uh, Overlook Press editions uh, of the Great Ordeal, I would be very grateful. So three more chapters to go. Looking forward to it. Uh, Daniel, where can people not get in touch with you? The page chewing forum or the comment section of this video or on YouTube, the comment section of the YouTube video for those listening on podcasts, I guess. Yeah. And Katarina, where can people get in touch, touch with you and tell you how wrong you are about Saban? Uh, same as Daniel. I try to read the comments on the forum and also on YouTube. And you'll also find me on Instagram at the errand. If you want to get in touch with me. Nice. So three more to go before our break. And then uh, getting closer and closer and getting more and more excited to finish this off and see this amazing ending. So we'll find out. Hopefully it's a good one. Yeah, we're almost there. Almost there. So thanks, everyone. We'll see you all next week.